Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is Dirt and Sprague. Guys, this weekend ain't about freaking stocks and bonds. It's about football. It's about getting your ass up off of your lazy ass, yelling for your team, and saying, let's go, Bulls! Damn it! With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brandon Sprague. And for the love of God, people, quit doing the freaking wave. Are you kidding me? The wave? Jesus. Nobody does the wave anymore. Yeah, the Billy Bobs do it in NASCAR at the racetrack because there's nothing else to do there except meow, 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 and watch the damn cars go in circles and wait for a wreck. Dirt and spray gone 1080. Damn it, son. Do y'all hear me? The fan. All right, welcome back in hour number two. Dirt and Sprague here. Good morning. Happy hump day to everybody out there. Hope you're humping your way through your day so far. You're about to. Hump, 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 hump. Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7 is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on Anthony Richardson, who is shooting up a lot of the mock drafts. The Mel Kuyper mock draft has the Seattle Seahawks taking him at nine. Mm. That would be very hard for me as a general manager, knowing that I have Geno, but like he's not really my future and knowing you needed to add depth in certain positions, but then you get a six-five, yeah, it's hard to pass four-five speed like quarterback who has all the potential in the world. Like it'd be really hard for me to be a general manager in football. Almost be a win-win, I think, if you can sign Geno to a two-year, like sixty million dollar deal, paying him thirty something a year with a, a nice signing bonus, and you draft a rookie, mm-hmm. so you get him. Because I think most people would agree, Anthony Richardson probably not ready quite yet. He's a pretty raw prospect, so if you let him wait behind Geno for a year, can learn a lot from a guy like that. Yeah, not a bad situation. Uh, we uh, just mentioned C.J. McCollum making his return tonight because the Pelicans got into town yesterday, but the Blazers were in the Bay, and uh, they were playing the Golden State Warriors. They got up by as many as 23 points. There was no Steph Curry in this game. Uh, no Andrew Wiggins, who was missing for personal reasons, and GP2 is still injured. And Dame and the Blazers got off to this great start. They're up double digits. They're up 20-plus. They go into the half feeling good, and then it was it was one of the worst second halves I've ever seen in my life watching the Portland Trailblazers. It really was. I know they've had some really bad years, mm-hmm. but they scored 40 points in the second half, and the Golden State Warriors scored 39 in the third quarter. <laughs> and they were up 23 
they ended up losing 123 to 105. Yeah, they lost by 18. They had a 17-point lead at halftime, and they lost by 18 points. That That's a special level of sucktitude Not last good. Night. Well, it, it, I'm glad we got to the CJ thing in the last segment because you point out, and I think you and I are in lockstep on that. Like, when I look at CJ... I don't mean to be to have animosity towards him. It's not necessarily his fault. It's not his fault that he wasn't traded. But I will always view him as the guy that we wouldn't move off of to give Damian Lillard a better chance to win. It was never about C.J. not being a good player. It was always about the fit. It just doesn't work with two undersized guards that play defense. And there's always going to be an animosity there for me when I look at him because I felt like he was one of the reasons that Dame was robbed of having a better chance to win in his prime. And then you turn on that game last night. Lillard's coming off his historic 71-point game. He gets off to a really good start in the first quarter. I think he had 17 points or 18 points at the half. Got off to a good start. And then you watch in the second half as Golden State, a team that can make adjustments, it's well-coached, starts blitzing him, trapping him, triple-teaming him, throwing a zone at the Blazers, and their offense becomes anybody. Please, for the love of God, anybody do something. Anybody. Other than Matisse Thibel, who now is randomly having these Larry Bird three-point shooting nights, so that's a fun uh, okay. relation. But, like, Jeremy Grant was one of eight. Cam Reddish wasn't great. Like, Cam Reddish can't create for other people. He didn't get much off the bench. Like, it just it turned into this situation where nobody could help Damian Lillard. And not that I'm surprised by it. This team's not very good. It's just frustrating to watch. Well, yeah, I, I guess my pushback to what you're saying is, like, who? Who are you looking at? Say, please get us. Like Jeremy Grant is a is a Jeremy good Grant primarily. Okay, Jeremy Grant had a bad night. He still finished with twenty four points. He got to the free throw line got fifteen free throw line. times yeah. and attempted fifteen free throws despite having a one of eight uh, night from three and a five of seventeen night from from the field. He still gave you twenty four. Dame finally had an off night. Dame cooled down which maybe we should have seen that coming. 71 points, the amount of physical exhaustion it probably took to get to that. I'm not stunned that he had that night. But I also look at this roster, like, dude, this is a G League team. It's not very good. Cam Reddish was not even playing for the Knicks. Matisse Thibault was not even playing for the Sixers. Drew Eubanks is a third-string big. Um, Trendon Watford, I like Trendon Watford a lot. He's probably not in the rotation to some of the top-end teams in the league right now. You're going to Nazir Little? I, I thought he should have played more than 15 minutes. I think he should be playing more than Cam Reddish, personally. But he's not a, he's not be able to get his own shot. You only have really one dude on this team, one, that can create his own shot. Because Ant's out. So, like, offensively, I just... If you're not making your shots and they went ice cold, they shot 30% from three, I, I, I don't know how we point the finger at anybody this team's just not good i'm not pointing the finger at it i'm just it's just frustrating to watch <laughs> well i know but i i don't think we should be surprised i think by this though right no it's it's, it's not going to be a surprise the rest of the season it just it i i think my my blood is going to boil because i i know what this team is i know they're not very good but you need ant nurk back Sure, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying it means anything for the future i'm just saying like if you want to make the play in let's just focus on that that's their goal if you want to make the play-in, yeah, you got to have a healthy roster. You got to have those two guys back. Well, they just—they have a serious lack of size, and I, you know, I don't know if there's another move that needs to be made there, or if uh, Nerlens Noel got cut the other day. Like, are we going to take a flyer on a guy? Like, you just have no size. And Drew Eubanks gets eaten alive by bigger centers. He plays his ass off, and I love him for it. But he's just—he is one hand tied behind his back as a center. I—I I just think it's a. <laughs> 
I have two different thoughts going on at the same time. One, I understand like this is not a good team, and it's probably best if they actually don't make the playoffs, even though I know the pick gets conveyed if they make the playoffs. But having two lottery picks this year, or one lottery pick and another first-round pick with the Knicks, that's a lot of ammunition to have in the offseason, and you can move on and deal with Chicago and haggle over that pick if you don't end up making the playoffs. Like Long-term, that's probably the best solution. There's just a frustration of watching Lillard go on a stretch of this caliber and play the best basketball easily of his career and have it not mean anything because there's times when teams can triple team him and there's nobody on the floor that can help him. And I bring up Jeremy Grant, not to point a finger at him. Jeremy Grant's a good player, but there is a, there is a wonderment in the back of my mind when I watch him from time to time of what is Jeremy Grant? You know what he shot from three in the month of February in an entire month? 23%. He was one of eight last night. That's that's what he's been for basically the entire month. He had one game all month where he made more than one three-pointer. There was a lot of one for sevens, one for sixes, one for eight last night. He had one game, and it was the loss to Oklahoma City uh, back on the 10th of February that he made two three-pointers. Like, I... I'm not saying I'm done with him. I'm not saying don't give him the contract extension. But there's a night like last night where it's, hey, Dame's getting blitzed and trapped. And you're right. He had 24. He got to the foul line. But you had seven or eight open looks from three. And you just you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. No. Uh, but what is Jeremy Grant? He's your third or fourth option. And right now he has to be your second option because you're decimated by injury and you don't have shot creators. So I, I think the tough part, you know, I, I saw a lot of – I just think there's a lot of people in this city that – they're just done with Chauncey, even though last year you we've all kind of agreed, like, last year basically didn't count because you had to hit the tank and Neil got fired. and Yeah, no coach would win in that situation. No, nobody would have won. It, Popovich would have been awful. Spo would have been awful. No. Nobody would have won. And so everybody kind of views this as pseudo year one. Well, then injuries happen and the trades happen and bad signings happen and now you have Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibault and Drew Eubanks starting, and you've got Kevin Knox on your rock. Like Keon Johnson's your backup point guard yesterday. I don't know what the expectation is when Dame's going to have an off night with no other shot creator, but I did see a lot of anti-Chauncey stuff on my timeline last night. My only problem with Chauncey, I, I have my problems with him. My thing with him is he's, and I think Gunderson put it really well for me on Twitter. I, I, I don't know why Nas Little's not playing more. He seems to be the most consistent, one of the most consistent things they have offensively, and we're playing Cam Reddish like 10 to 12 more minutes a game than him. I And I, I think that's because Chauncey's going with length and athleticism, but I at some point you can't care about that if the production's better from a guy that's like three inches or two inches shorter than him. Well, the other tough part there, too, is like how much of it is an organizational stance of we want to get a look at Cam Reddish. Like, not well, it's look- a big part of that because I- Schmitz scouted the hell out of him yep. for ESPN when he was coming into the draft. There's all this cause video. And-, and Nas just signed, what, a three-, four-year deal? So he's under contract. He's not going anywhere. A four-year deal at like seven mil a year. It's a pretty, so it's a pretty team-friendly deal. Very team-friendly deal. And so you know what you have there. I'm with you 100%. I'd like to see him play more. I- the coach thing... The, the primary fault and problem with the Blazers is that there's no talent on this roster. <laughs> there's just not, no, right but now, there's no. just not enough talent on this roster. And I, I don't, I'm not going to do what fans did to Terry Stotts and act like he was the problem. Terry Stotts had limitations as a coach, sure. 
he was never never the primary problem. He had a roster that was built around two guards who can't play defense, and that's why you couldn't win. Like Roster construction is the most important part of winning in the NBA. The general manager is the most important position in the NBA. If you gave Chauncey a better roster, could he be a better coach? Maybe. I, if you fire him, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Like If you want to move on, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I, but I'm just I'm not going to go down that road and act like he's the primary problem when you look at this roster and it's it's not good every night. Something you said there, I want to I want to bring back, and then they have a game tonight against the Pelicans. It's pretty big in terms of the seeding, the play-in, all that kind of stuff. We'll get to that, and then coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll pivot back to the NFL Combine. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida, is shooting up the mock drafts. Uh, Mel Kuypers has Seattle taking him. And so we'll talk to Jacob Rudner, who covered Richardson in Florida from Swamp 24-7. Don't forget, at 8.30, we'll talk to the Yammer, Mike Yam of the NFL Network and Pac-12 Series XM Radio to get his thoughts on the Pac-12 media deal and where he potentially thinks they're going, and then also the NFL Combine and all kind of some NFL storylines. So we'll talk to the Yammer at 8.30. Uh, but we're back with more Blazer Talk next. Dirt and Sprague on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So this just came out, and we're always ones to admit if we're wrong or we're right or try to give you stuff as much or as quickly as we get it. Uh, Jalen Carter of Georgia has an arrest warrant in Athens after being implicated by police for racing in the crash that ultimately took the life of a UGA staffer and a former teammate. And the reason um, this gets brought up or why people, why it's trending so hard, aside from the fact that he could potentially be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Is remember the Todd McShay thing. He's got character issues. Now, I believe if we go back and listen to Todd McShay say this, he was saying, does he get along with everybody in the locker room? Is he liked and respected that way? Yeah, it wasn't about him getting in trouble off the field. It was about the teammate behavior. There was no indication by Todd McShay when he said these things that there was something looming in the background. Yep. So it's one of these weird, like, McShay might kind of be right, but might not need credit because this thing is ugly and we shouldn't be sitting here going, hey, Todd McShay said it. Yeah, that shouldn't be the reaction. It, well, but it is. I mean, and, of course it is. You know, I'm, I bet you even McShay has a bit of this in his head, like, hey, I said he had character issues. This is not a great look for him. He was actually scheduled to talk at the Combine in an hour from right now. And then the story came out from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
uh, that Carter may have been racing, street racing, with that yeah. vehicle. Uh, he misled police about where he was. He said he was about a mile away from the scene of the accident. Uh, turns out he might have been right there when it happened. And now everything's kind of up in the air with Jalen Carter from Georgia. Yeah, it's a really bad look. I don't even want to get into the Todd McShay stuff. But if the report was that he was, or their allegations are that he was, they were street racing, essentially, driving 100 miles an hour. They were both intoxicated. And, of course, it was about a month and a half ago that a former, or a, a fellow teammate and a staffer died in a car accident. In, in a UGA vehicle. In a UGA vehicle. And I remember we talked about it when it happened. Mm-hmm. Like, it's heartbreaking. It was mm-hmm. a young staffer and a, and a college football player just winning the national championship championship like a week after that it happened it was a really tragic story and there was another never really any other details that came out from it uh it should be noted that the two uh, the arrest warrant it's for misdemeanor charges against Jalen Carter reckless driving and racing yeah so I you know he's not getting 10 years behind bars for this kind of stuff but it is it's a really bad look and it probably will impact his draft status man if like if smoking weed out of a out of a gas mask can affect Larry Metunzel dropping in the draft <laughs> I, I would hope that you know street racing while under the influence is going to affect to the draft uh, status of Jalen Carter. Let's not turn this into a McShay thing, though. Todd McShay throws crap against the wall constantly to see if it sticks. He does this to countless players about character flaws, and for the most part, I think it's fed to him by NFL teams who once said Blair to drop to them in the NFL draft, so let's throw some dirt out there and see if we can muddy up his name. Sure. We've done this with Kayvon Thibodeau. We mm-hmm. did this with uh, Panay Sewell just for two local examples of it, and neither of them ever had a character flaw. And his thing was about Jalen Carter not being a good teammate, not being good in the locker room, not about street racing and driving under the influence. Uh, I was not chuckling at the situation with Jalen Carter. That is tragic, and you hate to hear it. Um, That's horrible. It's a really bad look. Well, I've been in the car with somebody that decided to go like 90 miles an hour in the middle of a pretty busy area, and it's terrifying. Yeah. I remember being young, and I was like, yo, you got to stop. And like, I made fun of him for having that reaction, but you hate to see the irresponsibility happen here. I was more laughing. I, I've kind of always wanted to get a decent-sized framed photo of Laramie Tunzel wearing the gas mask. The Laramie Tunzel weed. gas mask photo? Because that's an all-time photo. <laughs> what was the backstory? Like his father-in-law or his stepdad? Didn't, who leaked that photo? Somebody like had an axe grind and released it like an hour before the draft. I forget, but I remember watching the draft and it oh leaked. And everyone was like, holy <laughs> crap. He was going to be a top five pick. And then yeah. his name kept slipping down the draft boards. Yeah, so if we get any up. Updates on the Jalen Carter front. Uh, we'll try to pass it along. Maybe he'll talk. I don't think he will anymore. But yeah, my guess is his agent pulls him from that. I think uh, you have to. Yeah, press press conference. Um, we're talking the Blazers. You mentioned Chauncey Billups, and I I just don't know where people are at with Chauncey Billups. Um, yeah, I think I I did a poll question on this. Where yeah, like he has the fifth best odds to be fired in the NBA. Did you know that? Makes sense. BetOnline.ag. They're not a very him. good team. <laughs> yeah, but. You got to know the owner and you got to know the situation. You got a five year deal guaranteed. This is year two. You think that ownership group's going to pay out? Probably not, but I, maybe the hope is there's a new ownership group that wants to start fresh and you get a new coach in there. Well, I think that, that if anything, that would be the scenario, but it doesn't seem like they're going to sell in the next calendar year. So Chauncey's probably going to be the coach of this team going forward this year, next year, et cetera. And the funny thing is to me, like I'm watching the, I watch this with Meringue on our live stream and like we're watching, it's just like, Miss, miss, miss. They got good looks, miss. Nobody made a shot last night. They shot 30% from three. And so, like, I have my own little frustrations with Chauncey. I'm kind of with what you said. If they fired him, I'd be like, okay. If they kept him, I'd be like, okay. I'm not really passionate one way or the other. But, like, last night, this whole, like, blaming, blame, blame, Chauncey. Oh, he got out coached. 
Did he get out coached in the first half? I <laughs> I just don't know how people I don't know how people separate those things. Like last night to me is pretty simple. You didn't make a shot. I'm not shocked about your defense. Their defense has been bottom of the barrel for like three months now. Yep. It's more like, did you make your shots? No, you didn't. Uh, you lost. That's what tonight's game's going to be, right, against the Pelicans? They're going to triple-team Dame every time he touches the ball. Guys are going to get open looks. Can they or can they not make them? Matisse, That's what it comes down to. Matisse was 5 of 6. Yeah. I have no confidence he's going to be 5 of 6 again. <laughs> I hope he is, but I don't have that confidence. It's Yeah, it's yeah. you got boxed in one last night. You had five guys paying attention to every move Damian Lillard made. Tonight, you know, some fans roll their eyes at it, and I don't blame them for that. But tonight, they're they're playing for play-in situation here. That's their goal. This is a pretty, I mean, last night was a pretty big one. You blew it. You're one and two out of the break. This is huge. You only have so many of these opportunities where you start playing the really good teams that are fighting for the real playoff positioning here, mm-hmm. and you ain't beating those teams. I, I'm curious to see how they respond tonight to tonight's game. Yeah, I think they only got, what, 20 games left on the season? How I many with 20, 21, somewhere in that range? So, I mean, you're running out of time. To your point on New Orleans, they're the team that's directly yeah, 20 ahead. games exact or 21 games. 21 games left. games they've played. So you got New Orleans directly ahead of you in the standings, and they have been sinking like a stone for the last two months since Zion got hurt, and they're waiting for him to get back. they got other injury concerns. Portland has their own, too. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like Portland's 100% healthy. Um, but, th- I mean, this is a game at home that if you are if you want to be a playoff team, you want a chance to make the playoffs, they have lost 20 of 27 games, the New Orleans Pelicans. And you're while, a half game back from them right while now. While Portland has not been playing good basketball, you got them at home. Like, this this is a game you got to win if you want to make the playoffs. I'm not going to lose sleep if they don't because, again, I don't, I'm not upset if they end up drafting in the lottery because the Knicks pick is going to convey New York's playing pretty good basketball. I think they're, they're a pretty solidified playoff team in the Eastern Conference or at least heading in that direction. And so if you end up getting your lottery pick this year because you don't make the playoffs, Playoffs, you call Chicago, say, hey, here's New York's pick. Take that. We're even. We're square. Now you have the ability to trade future picks. Plus, you have a lottery pick this year if you don't end up making the playoffs. I'm not losing sleep over over losses necessarily. I, I just I, I think there's a frustration that grows when it just it seems like it's the same story again of Lillard is carrying this team. When he goes for 70, you're going to win. When he goes for 50, you're going to win. And on nights when teams find a way to bottle him up and triple team him, there's nobody out there that can help him. And it's not a new re- revelation. It'll probably be the same case tonight. It just it makes it tough to watch that again, here we go, a guy going through his best season of his career, and he's just out there on an island all by himself. Here's the funny thing about it. It's not been a good year. It's been disappointing by a lot of standards. Um, I don't know where people are at on the Aunt Dame thing, but I think many people are ready to move on from that. Fair or not fair, that's... I get a lot of Blazer fans in my life that say that. Despite where they're at and the crap sandwich they've been dealt, it's kind of crazy to put it in perspective real quick here and just say, you're having an awful year. You feel like you're wasting a season of Damian Lillard at his Mm -hmm. peak of his powers... And you need major roster overhaul to be a better team, right? Agreed. You're a half game back of the Pelicans who feel like they should be in the top four of the West. Mm-hmm. You're about one game, if you win tonight, back of the Dallas Mavericks, who just traded for Kyrie and have done nothing but lose and blow leads since they got him. And they're one and four when Luka and Kyrie play together. You're a game and a half back of the Minnesota Timberwolves, who traded just about all their assets to get Rudy Gobert, and that's not gone well. Mm-hmm. And you're only about two games back of the Clippers, who are now 0-3 since they acquired Russell Westbrook. 
So I think it's just a nice reminder. It doesn't mean you're going to be anything of relevance. They're really already 0-3 with Westbrook. They're 0-3. They haven't won a game yet. Three-game losing streak since they got that. Russell Westbrook. They lost last <laughs> night to Minnesota. It's just, I have used that perspective as like, a, eh, okay. Like, we, we know we suck. We're aware we're not good. We're also kind of supposed to suck right now. And all these other teams are trying their ass off to be good, and they're like a game better than us. It's kind of just funny to put it in that perspective. It is good perspective to have. I, I still remain optimistic about the offseason. It doesn't mean the rest of this regular season is going to be any easier to watch. No, it doesn't. It doesn't guarantee that. But for the love of God, let Dame torch CJ tonight, please. Uh, we got Statter Story to get to at 8.15. Uh, we got more notes and news to get to. Mike Yam at 8.30. But coming up next, Anthony Richardson shooting up the mock drafts. The Seattle Seahawks could be looking at Anthony Richardson. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson with Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7. We'll dive into some NFL Combine stuff. Anthony Richardson is the topic, and we'll do it next for the Daily Ticker. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, Daily Ticker time here on a Wednesday, and let's go to the NFL Combine as one name continues to bounce around as a potential top 10 pick. Mel Kuyper has him going number nine overall to the Seattle Seahawks. You are very high on this player. and Very I high. I didn't know this or learn this until yesterday when you said you'd go all in for this guy. I'd, pay, I'd take him number one overall. Really? I honestly would. Wow. If you remember back to the preseason dirty poll, I had Florida, I think, in the top 15. You were a big fan of the Gators. Because of this guy. Yep. And his name is Anthony Richardson. That's not who we're interviewing. We're interviewing Jacob Rudner, who covers the Florida Gators for 24-7 Sports. At Jacob Rudner on Twitter, go give him a follow. Uh, Jacob, good morning to you, man. Am I, like, you got an up-close look at this dude for the last two years. I know he wasn't the full-time starter two years ago, but am I crazy or scouts crazy? Are you buying into this hype that Anthony Richardson might be the best quarterback in this class? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I, listen, I, I believe it. I, uh, as you guys said, I, I think that it's pretty easy to see the potential with a guy like this. And we actually talked about it before the season started, if I remember correctly, yeah. uh, just about the, the raw athletic potential that a guy like Anthony Richardson has. He's an elite runner. Uh, he's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, there are certainly concerns with him. But, but to answer your question, I absolutely believe uh, that he could be one of, if not the top quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. Hmm. Jacob, you were pretty high on the Gators this year and what he could potentially be. I remember talking with you, I think it was before the Utah game and for the countdown. What did you see from him that you liked and what was maybe something that stood out that might be a little bit of a concern to you? Sure. I, I think that it's easy to point to the running and his ability to create the unannounced play uh, as his greatest strength. Just a freak athlete, uh, great speed. If I remember correctly, his top speed in season uh, was clocked at 21.6 miles per hour. Good luck finding other quarterbacks who are going to reach those kinds of speeds. Uh, he is extremely hard to bring down. Uh, just, a, just a truly elite runner, somebody who 
I, I really believe could be as effective on the ground at the next level as he is through the air. Last year rushed for 654 yards uh, and nine touchdowns. And then I think the concerns are, are, are the accuracy. 54% completion last year through nine interceptions against 17 touchdowns. So, uh, you know, there are people who are wondering, and I think fairly, uh, how accurate he is. His decision-making is something that I think people are wondering about. But you look at just the raw skill, again, just on the ground and his ability to launch the ball. The videos have circulated, you know, countless times already uh, of his ability to nail these extremely long throws uh, with a super gifted arm. Uh, and so I think that the raw talent stands out, but, but there are certainly concerns. To be mm, fair. We're, yeah, we're talking with Jacob Rudner. He covers the Gators, Florida Gators for 24-7 Sports. At Jacob Rudner on Twitter. Go give him a follow. I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up the accuracy analogy because I, I feel like he's a similar prospect coming out of college to where we were with Josh Allen and almost to a certain extent with Justin Herbert, right? You're like, you know, this, the physical attributes are there. They can throw the ball a mile, but there's times you watch them in college and they're like, this isn't a top five pick. But one of the things that I bring up is that I feel like it's hard to evaluate college quarterbacks because they're all playing with different skill sets around them. And you see sometimes these guys that go to places like Alabama and Ohio State who play with nothing but NFL talent around them, they struggle when they get to the NFL because they don't have the superior talent against every opponent that's on their schedule. What was the talent like? Because you know, we watched Florida you know, semi-closing. They obviously played Oregon State in the bowl game with half their players. But what was the talent level when they were at their peak in terms of the offensive line, the weapons? Like, What was he working with this year? It's a good question. Anthony Richardson had a very good offensive line in front of him, which is what, in my opinion, enabled his ability to rush for, you know, just shy of 700 yards and nine touchdowns last season. Uh, but there's no doubt that the receiver strength and the tight end strength as it relates to his ability to effectively move the ball through the air uh, was at times lacking. And Florida fans knew that going into the season. Ricky Pearsall, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with in Pac-12 territory, uh, he was the team's leading receiver last year out of the slot. You don't typically see that in the SEC. Uh, they dealt with injuries at the receiver position. Tight end was kind of a letdown throughout the year, although that was something that was reasonably predictable. And I would add to your point, Anthony Richardson is, is an extremely inexperienced quarterback. Last year was his first year as a full-time starter in a new offensive scheme with a new coach with largely new players surrounding him. So you have to wonder if the inaccuracies as far as his passing goes are related to the fact that he wasn't necessarily comfortable throughout last season. So I, I think it has a lot to do with the personnel, as you say, and, and also just in terms of his ability to get used to his surroundings with coaching uh, and, and all of those types of factors, I think that that contributes as well. You know, we, we think back to guys like this in college. Josh Allen, I want to say, coming out of Wyoming was like a 50 to 52% completion percentage guy, and it led – Many people, one on this show, to really not like him coming out of the draft. And you can't fault people for not liking inaccurate quarterback. But he goes to the NFL, and year one isn't so much throwing, but it's using athleticism and running ability. And now Josh Allen is one of the, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. Other guys, they take a couple years to develop. When you look at Anthony Richardson, one mock says Seattle. Could be another mock that says Houston. We don't know where he'll go. But, Jacob, do you, do you look at Anthony and you kind of say could be a day one, year one starter? Or is it? do you feel like with his ability mixed with where he needs to work on uh, some of his weaknesses, he's a sit-for-a-year-or-two type of player? It's difficult because I think it largely depends on his situation, although I would go back to his inexperience. I think that, you know, just for a guy who really has 12, 13 now consecutive games of being a full-time starting quarterback under his belt – 
it's difficult for me to imagine that he makes the leap from college to the NFL and day one is a starter. Do I think that he could become a starter in his first season at the next level? I do. Uh, just that pure athleticism, the ability to make up for not necessarily being able to move the ball through the air as effectively as a rookie will help him a lot, I think. Uh, but I don't know that he strikes me as a day one starter, and that's not necessarily a knock on him. Uh, it, it's more a comment on his experience and just the fact that I do think there's a lot to learn for a guy like Anthony Richardson, just given his situation over the last couple of years. Hmm. All right, I got to ask you this, Jacob. So I do a show with a couple of Oregon State Beavers here, and sometimes it's not very enjoyable, especially when they beat your your alma mater in a, in a rivalry game. Well, Jacob, you and my co-host have a lot in common. You guys both can't beat Oregon State powerhouses, huh? <laughs> See, here we go. This is what I got to deal with, right? So the the bowl game happens, and we debated very angrily after the in the aftermath of that bowl game. I was okay with Billy Napier kicking a field goal at the end of it because it's year one of him being a head coach. Coach, and he can't that. let the shutout streak or the you know scoring a point streak uh, end on his watch in year one. Cowardice. So it are down thirty to nothing. He kicks a field Stop. goal. What was the take in Florida? Were fans making fun of him? Did they like the field goal? I need to know about the field goal. Uh, it's such a mixed bag of emotions. There were people who uh, <laughs> looked at the situation and uh, th- their reaction was good. There is no break of the scoreless streak. It lives on. Uh, there were other people who reacted to it in the sense of why did we have to kick a field goal to keep the scoreless streak uh, alive? So uh, they, I, I'm not so sure that people were thrilled about it because they were in a position where this had to be a conversation. Uh, do, do I think that people were satisfied with Billy Napier's decision to kick a field goal uh, and protect that piece of history? I do. And I think that there would be a lot more angry people uh, had he not done that, mm. you, you do what you got to do. They had to score, and he did score. So, <laughs> wow! I, I think I think I stand with the decision. Okay, really? You okay, you can't right. let. That's not his fault. He's got like four active players left on his I team mean, the for game that bowl game. The game shouldn't have been played, to be honest with you, because Florida lost almost everybody, and they were playing with nobody. But yeah. in the moment, personally, like I'm an Oregon State fan, we comfortably won, but. I kind of just viewed it as cowardice and a way to go, well, you know, it could have been worse. We could have ended our scoreless streak thing. Uh, let me ask you this, and, and I think we might let you go. Uh, I don't know where my, my co-host is the one who does his preseason top 25 stuff. I don't know where or if Florida will be on his top 25. Uh, who is set to be the quarterback for them next year? And it's a very early look right now in March, but how do Gator fans or how should Gator fan feel about Florida next year versus what the SEC is going to present in Georgia, Bama, LSU, and, and whoever else emerges? Yeah, the quarterback position is, is definitely one of the biggest questions going into spring, which actually their spring practices start this Saturday. Uh, it's one of the biggest questions without a doubt. Florida brought in Graham Mertz from Wisconsin uh, as its you know, veteran replacement for Anthony Richardson. The perception was immediately uh, that here comes a guy who started you know, for four seasons at Wisconsin – he comes in, fifth-year senior, is immediately the starter. Uh, I just had a conversation with Billy Napier last week uh, in which he told me directly, that is not the case. Uh, Florida will have a quarterback battle uh, this spring between Jack Miller, who you guys saw in the bowl game, and Graham Mertz. Uh, I know that Billy Napier really likes Jack Miller. He recruited him when he was offensive coordinator at Arizona State uh, in 2017. Jack Miller was the highest-level prospect uh, out of the state who ended up going to Ohio State. Uh, they like him a lot. Do I think that it's probably going to end up being Mertz? I do. I don't think Graham Mertz ends up transferring to a school where he doesn't think he's going to be the starter in his last year of eligibility. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, 
it's interesting. I, I, I think that Mertz comes with his problems. He had an interception issue with the Badgers. Uh, isn't necessarily a very fleet-footed quarterback, which is something Florida relied on to a degree last year with Anthony Richardson, as we've discussed. Uh, it, it presents a lot of challenges. However, there are a lot of people who would tell you that Mertz's struggles were a byproduct of the system. Mm. Uh, he needed to go to a different situation where he gets in front of a new offensive mind. I think Billy Napier sees it that way as well, uh, which leaves the room, which is the door open for, for a lot of growth for a guy like Mertz despite his age. So I will be interested to see exactly how the spring progresses. My guess is that Graham Mertz emerges as Florida's starting quarterback. Uh, how that's going to go, though, I really have no idea. <laughs> well, hey, we, we turn Bo Nix around out here, so I guess anything's possible. Maybe Graham Mertz is the next guy down at Florida. Jacob Rudner, Gators beat writer, 24-7 sports. Go give him a follow on Twitter, at Jacob Rudner. Great insight into Anthony Richardson, potentially being the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks, and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. There you go. Jacob Rudner. It's cowardice. You're getting your ass kicked <laughs> by 30 points. You kick a field goal from 30 yards. You're still upset about that. I know. I, I wasn't upset, but it's cowardice. Like, if you want to preserve it, it matters to you. Mm-hmm. Just say that. And, and I think Jacob was saying that. But, like, like the, clearly, I mean, that's why they kicked the field goal. I, but I had Florida There's fans. There's no other reason to kick the field goal. I had Florida fans in my mentions because I remember calling that out. They're like, oh, really? You think it's cow? You're like, yeah, you're losing the game. You're not winning the game. The field goal doesn't change anything in that way. That's totally fair to call it cowardice. But they did it to extend the streak. And to be honest with you, if I were a fan of a program that had a streak going on that long, no. that's a brutal way to lose it. But with nobody game, playing in a bowl, they, they like, didn't. You shouldn't count that game. You shouldn't, I, but it does count. Yeah, I mean, it goes fine. on the official ledger, and that's what. Like, if I were a fan, that like, if Oregon had a not, I, I don't even know when the last time they were shut out. Yeah, came close against Georgia last year. Uh, but I, like, if you had a streak going for thirty-five years where you've scored a point in every game, and then you get to a meaningless bowl game where half your team's not playing and you got a four-string starting quarterback, like that's a brutal way to lose a streak. Okay, so let me ask you this quick: If you would have lost forty-nine to nothing, uh huh. Would that have, that wouldn't have changed how you felt? No, not necessarily. And but a field goal doesn't make. But you Oregon feel also. That, I also don't know if they have a streak. How long their streak is? Like I, see, I, I don't I, know what I, it is. That, isn't that kind of a dumb streak? It's eventually? kind of a dumb streak. Like, sure. It, it, it's just, it's, it was a big deal for them down there because I remember they bringing it up on the broadcast. Like Florida hasn't been shut out since nineteen eighty whatever it was, right. nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine. It was like right. my entire lifetime. They've scored a point in every game my entire lifetime. Yeah, and that almost became the first one. And, and or, like, screw that, we're kicking a field goal. Oregon State four years ago was getting shut out in every game they played, so like maybe that's why I didn't care about that. I still kind of wish there was a doink, though. It would have been hilarious if they tried for the field goal and got a doink and it didn't go in. You're like, oh, damn it. <laughs> now, now, not only are we cowards, but the streak also continues. Let's talk a little bit about what we heard there from Anthony Richardson. I've heard takes all over the, the globe on, on what he is and is he ready to be an NFL quarterback. There is a lot of optimism. Are we buying the Mel Kuyper mock that Seattle could take him with a top-ten pick? Pete Carroll drafting a quarterback in the top 10 are we buying that talk a little bit about uh, the nfl quarterback position next on the fam well, i did some research during the break because i was genuinely curious what was the answer to that question the last time oregon was shut out in a football game was in 2007 and it was in the aftermath of the i remember this game vividly the dixon injury after the dixon injury they went and they lost to arizona after the arizona game they went to ucla 
Oh, I actually remember that game. And they lost 16 That's, to nothing. Yeah. That was before Justin Roper took over, and we got a classic showdown in the Civil War, and uh, Oregon State and their sports bras won it in overtime <laughs> on the fly sweep from James Rogers. Uh, I love that you guys always throw that out there as if it's an insult. I'm like, you guys <laughs> lost in that in those jerseys. Hey, look, uh, we dressed up like Cal for a game, so I got to f- try and point the finger at somebody else occasionally, all right? So, um, that was the last time they were shut out, 2007. Now you've... You've got my interest. Now Oregon State, wanna... you want to know when it was? Did you look it up? I have it right here. There's okay. a Reddit thread. Okay. And now, I don't know when this was done, so maybe it was after that, but according to this Reddit thread, it was in 2015. That sounds right. You lost fifth, uh, 41 to nothing to UCLA in 2015. Was that the Gary Anderson year? Was that 15 was Gary, Gary Anderson? Anderson? I remember that game. It was kind of foggy. It was cold. I remember it being on TV thinking, I would be so mad if I went to that game. And it was a home game? You lost four, it yeah, was a home, home game. Ooh, yeah, that's tough. It wasn't good. So that was the last time the uh, two programs were, were shut out. There was a quote from Pete Carroll, NFL Combine, going on this weekend where he highlighted that uh, the team has a rare opportunity to draft a quarterback this year in the first round. Mm-hmm. A rare opportunity. For those that forgot, the Seahawks have two first-round picks. Mel Kuyper came out with his latest draft. And in that, he has the Seattle Seahawks trading to the ninth overall pick. Uh, so trading down, right, because they got number five. Trading mm-hmm. down to number nine. And with the number nine overall uh, pick, taking the player that we were just talking about in Anthony Richardson. He's becoming a trendy name. There was a CBS Sports mock draft last week that came out, had him as the number one overall pick. So people are falling in love with this dude as a prospect. And I find it two fascinating stories. One, a quarterback that was not very good in college, although he showed moments. Like if you just watched the Utah game from last year, you would probably say that dude's the best quarterback in the country. Unfortunately for him, that wasn't the entire sample size, and there were some really down moments for them offensively and for him as a quarterback. And then Seattle, a team who only uh, – does Seattle even have a quarterback on contract under contract right now? Because uh, Drew Locke's a free agent. I know Gino's a free agent. Is Drew Locke a free agent? I believe he is, yeah. So okay. I don't know if they have anybody under contract. And so they got two first-round picks. So it's kind of these two weird storylines that might end up merging. Maybe Anthony Richardson ends up in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I liked Richardson's performance. Uh, you know, he was the early Heisman buzz to start the year, especially after that Utah game. But, I, you know, I have my concerns about him. I don't know how you don't have any with a 54 completion percentage. And some of these guys, they're just they're such high-end athletes. Like, how quickly are you going to take off running versus being maybe patient in the pocket and giving your guys a second to get open? The Seattle one's interesting. I see it, and I don't see it. I see it because it feels like they're going to throw Geno a decent bag, maybe not the biggest bag or even the number Geno necessarily wants. But I think they're going to try to sign Geno, and then it's like, okay, if you get Geno to come back, it feels like that's a perfect situation for a young quarterback to sit and wait. A year, two years, whatever the deal ends up being with Geno, where maybe it's a three with two guaranteed and a, a player option or whatever it is. I feel like that could be a good situation. I just, Seattle Seattle made the playoffs this year, and it was a good story. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll got some redemption. John Schneider, you know, Put some credit back to his name. Everybody laughed at Russell Wilson. Yeah, they won that divorce. But, you know, it it wasn't like they were always looking like a playoff team. They had some real stinkers in there. And I think when you put them up against some of the better teams in the NFL, like, they went to Germany and looked like crap. They played the Niners twice and looked awful and then got boat raced in the second half of the playoff game. Mm-hmm. You're competing for that. Not, hey, we make the playoffs as the seventh wild card. So is Seattle better off to get a quarterback with one of the two picks? 
or are they better off to address a lot of positional needs? Yeah, listener texting in, too. They also have two second-round picks, and so a name that's kind of flying under the radar, and I saw it mentioned a bit yesterday, too, is Hendon Hooker, remember, who got hurt at the end of the year at Tennessee. Yes. And for a large stretch of the year was arguably the best quarterback in the country. Probably going to be out most of the year because I think it was right. an ACL injury and he got that so late, but You're still, not expecting yeah. him to play right away. In your scenario with Geno, like you bring Geno back, dude, rest that guy for a year. Use a late second-round pick on Hendon Hooker. Like, let's take a flyer. I, I do think Seattle Although, like the Geno story, the Geno Smith story was a lot of fun, and his, you know, they wrote me, but I didn't write back. Like it was really cool to see somebody have that redemption tour. You also have to analyze this stuff rationally, and do we truly feel like Geno Smith is a top five, top ten quarterback in the NFL? Because I don't know if I'm going there. He had a great year. You need more than one year. He's also later in his career, so it's not like you just hit on a rookie quarterback who's on a cheap deal. He's already a free agent. What's he going to ask for this offseason? Do you want a franchise tag? I'm like, it's a really complicated process because he's going to have his suitors. Teams are desperate for quarterbacks out there, and so maybe somebody throws a bigger bag at him. It's just, I, I think Seattle also, they just need to approach the offseason with an open mind, and I, I would have my eyes on some of these, whether it's Richardson if you want to take him early, whether it's a guy like Hennon Hooker that slips a little bit because of an injury like you also have to look towards the future of that position and find your next guy the funny thing about Seattle is a year ago what were we saying about them and then now it's like within one season and that's how quickly it can happen in sports one season later we're back in believing John Schneider and Pete Carroll and what their vision is for the future and they've earned that they've earned that reputation an important note for the draft there was a report that came out a story that came out a couple years ago And it's an interesting one to think about now that we're at the draft. There was a report that in the midst of them winning with Russell Wilson, John Schneider fell in love with Josh Allen. He wanted to trade Russell Wilson. He wanted to trade in. He wanted to go draft Josh Allen. John Schneider is one of these guys that I think will give a bag. He gave Russell Wilson one of the bags. Mm -hmm. I think he'll give a bag, but he doesn't want to give multiple contracts unless it's the guy. And Russ, to him, wasn't the guy. And so what what the interesting takeaway from that is, is why did he fall in love with Josh Allen? Josh Allen was 6'5", 230, and ran. He was a hell of an athlete with a potentially big arm. Anthony Richardson's measured at 6'4", 231, and runs 26 miles an hour. He's a freak. This is kind of right up the alley of what John Schneider was sniffing at with Josh Allen. It's something to bear in mind come draft day because all of these reports get leaked of this team likes them or he could be getting picked here. Anthony Richardson's number one odds to get picked number one went from fifth plus 1,500 to plus 150. That's a huge jump. Huge. And a lot of people saw that and went, whoa, 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 whoa. When action moves like that in Vegas, it feels like more than one team are in on him. But if we're just talking Seattle here... He kind of meets the physical criteria of what John Schneider was eyeing, even in the middle of their run with Russell Wilson back in the day. I got a couple of texts I want to read on the other side. Yours are welcome. 503 864 6326. That's the new fan text line. Uh, send your thoughts in throughout the show. Read a couple of those thoughts. Uh, we'll start with there ever be, ever be an appetite for these two things? Because clearly the answer right now is no. Statter story coming up at 815. And then Mike Yam at the bottom of the hour. Loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.